Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. to uh, just draw uh, a thought from a few passages of Scripture, and let's ask God to touch us this evening. Thank you, Brother Chris Osborne. What a rich, rich, rich word we heard Sunday. Amen. Thank you, Brother Osborne, for preaching the Word of the Lord. I love the I love preaching. <laughs> Amen. I don't just love to preach the Word. I certainly enjoy to preach, enjoy preaching, but I, I love preaching, and I just... I want to say thank you for ministering the word of the Lord. The book of Acts chapter 5 and verse 25. The Bible says, Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should have been stoned. When they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. I, I know in just a few services ago I made reference to verse number 28 that they had filled Jerusalem with the doctrine. With the help of the Lord tonight, I want to, just preach to you from a, or talk about a simple subject, maybe simple on the surface, but it runs pretty deep from this thought, I surrender all. I surrender all. I used to hear the old timers say, all is spelled A-double-L, and it means all. Says all means all. And uh, and so it may sound like at first they're trying to insult your intelligence, but it's not at all. Amen. A-double-L spells all, and it means all. And so I surrender all. Amen. May the Lord bless you, and thank you for your worship this evening. You can be seated. The book of, of Acts chapter 7. I read it again today, and it's a remarkable story. As Stephen begins to preach an incredible message, reaching back into the foundation of Moses and speaking about how God had delivered the children of Israel. And in no uncertain terms, I believe that, um, I believe that Stephen was preaching a message demonstratively. I don't think that he was just standing, leaning up against a post, kind of casually talking. But I believe that Stephen was laying it down. That's what I believe. Amen. I believe that it wasn't just what he said. But I believe it's how he said it. It ignited the, the passions of those around him. As a matter of fact, it led to his death. It was a very costly, uh, a very costly sermon, to say the least. It not only 
led to his death, but it increased the persecution against the church. So much so to the point that the church was scattered. The word, uh, the word scattered conjures up some pretty negative images for sure when we just think about that at face value. We think about um, something being scattered not being a positive thing, but it was not truly accurate in light of what the Lord allowed to happen as a result of the church being scattered. Specifically, the scripture says that that in Acts chapter 4, or chapter 8 and verse number 4, therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Now, the, the, the scripture emphatically declares that the apostles themselves stayed where they were, but the church began to scatter, and as they began to scatter, they went everywhere preaching the word. And so one of the things that I think is clear in the word of God when you begin to study it is that whether in times of persecution or in times of blessings, that people of God, people of the name, the church, if I can put it that way, has the potential to make a great impact upon their world. And we think about the, when we think about the core, the center of the church being scattered, that would just, we would think that would be the, the end, that would be the worst thing that could ever happen. But God began to use these people even at a season of uh, what we may think is discomfort and uncertainty to impact the world in which they live. Jesus referred to the church as two, two things that have the ability to change their surrounding. He said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, he referred to the church as the salt of the earth and the light of the world the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so salt and light drastically change whatever they're added to. If you were anywhere in this neighborhood last night, you probably lost power, and uh, for at least for a little while. And uh, when the lights go out, it's just amazing how such little light can help you get around. Just a little, just the glow of a phone uh, just the glow of a, a smartphone is enough to just make your way a, around. It doesn't seem like much, but just the slightest introduction of light to true darkness, and it changes it changes the, the surroundings, and the same is with salt. You can't inconspicuously add either one of those, salt or light. And so when we think about the ministry of Jesus Christ, the actual ministry of Jesus Christ was only three and a half years but his disciples faithfully carried that self-same gospel. It didn't end with him, amen, and the disciples began to propagate that same message and change the course of history. Just a few people, just a handful of obedient people that were submitting themselves, surrendering themselves to the power and the presence and the will of God impacted and changed the course of history. Now, I think that it's important for all of us to understand that we have the same mission. Our goals and our mission today is no different than the apostles. We have the same mission, we have the same message, and we have the same spirit abiding within us. <clears throat> I understand how it is to kind of cower in the shadow of a statement like, we have to be world changers. <laughs> That's a, a pretty intimidating title to be a world changer. And so sometimes in the light of such a 
formidable mountain, we just kind of cower away. But the Lord hasn't called us individually to change the world, the entire world, but we can influence the world that we have an impact on or the ability to impact. And so I pray that the Lord would help us to understand the value of of connecting ourselves to the cause of the kingdom. We must make a difference in the world. The scripture says that of David that he served his generation. I think about that often and what a what a what a parting comment to be made by someone who had given themselves to the cause of the kingdom. He served his generation. I believe that all of us have that same mandate upon our lives to serve our generation. We certainly live in the midst of uh, incredibly historic times. War, wars fill our world. Uh, the, tet, the threat of terrorism is all around us. Uh, there is financial instability and uncertainty around us. There is certainly political instability and uncertainty around us. But yet in moments like this, we can either take our message and run to the closet and say, we'll hang on to this until the sun shines again, or we can use the light of this gospel to pierce through the darkness of all the chaos around us. Amen. And so I don't think that it's time to pull back the reins and say, well, we can coast a little while, but we must lean in with everything that we have and we must give all that we possibly can. We spent several services at the beginning of the year uh, talking about the importance of financial stewardship and giving to the Lord, but giving to the Lord doesn't just begin and end with what we can give in an offering or to tithes or in a building fund or missions around the world or whatever other noble cause we may find. I believe that giving of ourselves is just that, giving of ourselves. Amen, putting our hands to the plow Amen. We have, we have a, a great challenge before us, certainly, but we have a great God with us. And so there is nothing to be intimidated about. He will take us all the way. And so the hour, I believe, in which we live could be one of the finest hours of the church. I'm glad I'm alive in 2017. I know what it's like to whimsically think about what it would be to have walked the earth when Jesus walked or to have been one of his disciples or at some other point in time. But I'm thankful to be alive in 2017 and to be able to behold and experience the things that we are experiencing today. I will tell you, without a doubt, without a doubt, we are reaping the harvest that was planted by faith of forefathers long, long, long ago who never dreamed in their wildest imagination that things would be happening around the world in the church world I'm talking about as they are today. It's an exciting time to be a part of the church. I'm glad I'm a part of it. Amen, the hour that we live, it could be noted in history as one of the finest hours for the church. I mean, there's always, I've taught through the years, there, have, there has always been a shaking or uh, there's always been a moving, if I should perhaps put it that way, during times of dispensational change. Cain and Abel and a dispensational change felt led to sacrifice unto the Lord without any instruction. That was just in their heart, just something began to move in them that said we must, we must do this. John the Baptist came out of the wilderness bringing to a close 400 years of darkness and silence 
John the Baptist is portrayed in scripture as almost a wild man, eating locusts and wild honey and things of that nature. Amen, he came out of that dispensation of one dispensation introducing a dispensation of grace. There was a stirring, a troubling. John preached the only thing he knew to preach and that was just repentance. With that message of repentance there was an addendum that said I can only preach to you baptism. I can only get you to this point. Thank God John the Baptist had more God than he had ego. Amen. Aren't you so thankful that he had more revelation than he had ego because he said, I can only baptize you unto repentance, but there is one coming after me. He was mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to bear his shoes. I'm not even worthy, and he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Nobody knew what John was talking about. I would submit to you tonight that John didn't know fully what he was talking about. Amen, he just spoke as he was moved on by the power of God. I'm talking about people that have given all. I think that could well be said of every prophet through time. Isaiah spoke of things he had no way of understanding. Joel spoke of things he had no way of comprehending what the spirit of God was speaking through him. We're talking about people that just gave everything they had, including themselves. And so I I believe today in like fashion that there is a stirring. I believe I'm speaking to people tonight that just feel a stirring in your spirit, just an unrest, amen. There's just something moving, something reaching. We're striving, we're trying to find, amen, the will of God. I'm not talking about spiritual frustration. I'm not talking about being discouraged or being sidetracked and distracted, but I believe there is something inside of all of us, a clarion call that says step a little closer and come a little closer. Give me everything that you have. There's a cry and a call and a hunger. Like Moses said, I wanna see more of you. And the Lord said, I'll reveal all of you that I possibly can. I'm thankful today, amen, that the Lord was willing to show him everything that he possibly could. He's no respecter of person. I believe that he will slide us in the cleft of a rock today, just like he did Moses in that day, and reveal to us what we need to know and see in this hour. Amen. These same changes are in the air today. I'd like to us for us just a, a few moments to consider from the book of Romans a few things. Amen. The Holy Ghost, I believe a Holy Ghost filled person can be an influencer. We are, many of you may be familiar with the name Brother Benny DeMerchant who has been a Missionary for many years, many, many years. Brother Benny DeMerchant at this moment, unless something has changed just, just the last few hours, is laying right at the point of death. And because of that, many people have been reflecting upon his life as a missionary. He has, I read, I read something interesting about his life last night that he has used his, flat, his plane, little plane to land in these rivers and get all back in the jungles to minister and that his collective flying time, I'm not talking about how long he's had a license, but how long he's actually been flying has been a few years of his life all swept together. Him and that he has actually been in the seat 
behind the wheel, so to speak, of or the controls of that airplane going into the jungles and preaching this gospel. And so I say it is entirely possible for people, men and women, flesh and blood, amen, people like you and I to impact the world, amen, in which we live, praise God. But the whole process, it all begins with surrendering, surrendering. Amen, let's look at Romans 6 and then we'll look at Romans 12 and learn how surrendering our will to God's will can impact the world around us. The Bible says in Romans 6, 1 and 2, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He asks a question and then answers the question. God forbid, and then ask another question, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. How can we that have surrendered ourselves to the Lord go back to those things and take them up again? Romans 6 goes on to say that through repentance and being baptized, we died to that old man. Therefore, how could we dare live in the, in the, in the skin or in the shadow of that old man again? But the Bible shows us that it's not just about surrendering one time. This is not about just saying and making a decision one moment or being stirred in one service or by one song or by one sermon. But in verse 11, he says, likewise reckon ye also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive through God, unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. We can't just die out to one thing and then just try to remain static. That'll never work. I've got to die out to the world and I've got to live everything that I have give everything that I have to the Lord. Amen. I gotta die out to this world, but I gotta marry this world with all that I have and with all that I am. That's why I say all the time and I hope we don't just talk about it, but I hope that we live it, that there's no such thing as having an off night or an off day. Amen. It doesn't matter if it's Sunday or it's Wednesday. We ought to be given everything that we possibly can. Amen. It doesn't matter if it's Monday afternoon afternoon or Thursday morning or Friday night. I've got to give everything that I can. Someone may need me now. Amen. Praise God. So I've got to die to that world, but I need to come alive to this world. Amen. So if I'm going to engage in surrendering of sin, then I've got to surrender my passion for it. I know this sounds kind of superficial, to think that we would not have a passion for sin might insult our spiritual intelligence here tonight, but I'm gonna tell you that for a reason, Paul said in 6 and 12 in Romans, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Amen. He said, don't let sin reign in your body that you would obey it. Or he said, in other words, another translation says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not let sin control the decisions that you make or the path that you take. Do not let sin Amen. If we embrace any sin, then we run the risk, amen, of, of reaching the place where we have a passion for it. That's why you gotta deal with it. Amen, you gotta cut it off at the root. Consider with me a passage of scripture, a setting that is increasingly hard to escape. The Bible talks about a man by the name of Samson 
We are introduced to him in the book of Judges. However, maybe you met him or were introduced to him in Sunday school or vacation Bible school. Nevertheless, wherever you were introduced to Samson, we found him in the book of Judges. There's an interesting passage here in chapter 16 of verse number 1. The Bible says that Samson saw there a harlot and went in unto her. This is a nameless, faceless incident. He meant he just saw a harlot, he went in unto her. But as you continue to read about this man, in verse number four, the Bible says it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman whose name was Delilah. My point is simply this. He didn't really love the first lady that he went into, but he kept on until he did fall in love. Amen. And so I'll tell you tonight that you can fall in love with the very thing that can ruin our lives. We have the capacity to do that. Please don't cross your arms and, and feel pious in your spirit tonight. I'm telling you that everybody in this building has the propensity, amen, to fall in love with things that can absolutely take us to our ruin and so I gotta die daily amen I gotta say Lord I need this flesh to be under control and I need to surrender me unto you not just a little bit in me or not just portions of me but I have to surrender all of me amen and so here was a man that didn't love the first thing but after a while it wasn't just poor decisions it was lifestyle decisions and he fell in love with the very thing that brought him to an end. And so if we're extremely honest with ourselves and if we can look deep within tonight, we might find that there is some passion for sin that's already there, some passion for wrong that is already there. If we dig deep, if we look deep, deep inside, amen, what's inside? Whatever we find, if it's wrong, we need to admit it. Amen, we need to confess it. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But I gotta be honest with it. Amen, I gotta say, Lord, I need you to help me to get rid of everything in my life. Surrender it all. You know, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to be misunderstood here. I find myself saying that a lot, but anyway, I don't want to be misunderstood. But you know, you can you can have all the bonfires you want, and you can burn all kind of things. You know, and I'm not making light. I know through the years people have done that and have bonfires and burned all their rock and roll records and tapes and eight tracks and reel to reels. And <laughs> you can have all the bonfires you want. But if you don't get it out of your heart, you've got little more than molten plastic and ash because the root of it is still there. I'm not saying it was wrong to get out of our house or destroy it, but we better get start here. And if we get it out here, we gotta deal with the passion for those things. Amen, we have to deal with the root of those things. <clears throat> My wife and I, Several years ago, I would think somewhere around 10 years ago or so, we dug up a, a, a tree, a bush that we, we thought we were buying a little plant for the end of the house, and apparently it was a tree. <laughs> and uh, so taller and taller and taller, and so we dug it up. And try as we may, try as we may, we are a good decade into this. I'm not even kidding. We're a good decade into this. And, and every time we try to dig the root of it out, we think, we got it this year. We absolutely have it this year. Amen. I think the next time we got to dig again, I'm, I'm a little concerned we're going to hit water praying we hit oil. Amen. But I'm just, 
I can't believe that we can't get rid of the root. It's there. You have no idea 10 years down the road how many times I have dusted my hands and said, I got her this time. Got it this time. And lo and behold, you just turn your back. Just It seems like a few weeks. <laughs> it's taunting me now. I think, amen, it winks at me and whistles at me when I walk by it. I'm still here. I'm still here. Amen. I'm not trying to be comedic. What I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes we are, I'm digging, but obviously I'm not digging deep enough. I'm not digging wide enough. Amen. I'm telling you, sometimes that is the very same thing in our spirit. We think we have something. Amen. Now you were smiling a while ago when I was talking about my little problem with a plant, but let's, we think we got something. We really think in a service that we reach someplace in prayer deeper than we had ever been before. Amen. Something took us a little higher than we had ever been before and we kind of dust it off and say, I got it this time and not knowing that in just a few days, there it is, that, that desire, that, Whatever it may be, it's just trying to burst through the soil of our heart. And so I say, God, help me to understand this is not something I can take lightly. I shouldn't just brush this off and think I can throw a little something over this and it's all gonna be all right. I got, if I'm gonna surrender all of me, I gotta put it all on the line, all on the line. The Romans 6 and 13, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And so what's pictured here is this gradual creeping in. I heard Brother Upton years ago say, if he's talking about things crept in unaware. The scripture says crept in. He said, if it crept in, it must be a creep. <laughs> And so we're talking about these things that have a, a, a tendency to just kind of creep in little, little by little, just small victories that Satan gains a foothold. Curiosity, that's where many people begin to get hooked, just curiosity. Listen to what the Bible says. It's age old, Genesis 3 and 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did it. Eat. Most of us know the story right here. Curiosity was sin. Just curiosity. I just surely it can't be as bad as it was described. Curiosity. I've heard so many people say until it is absolutely, it just scares the bananas out of me when I think about all the people that have talked about certain drugs that just one time I just tried. One time. One time. I've heard that too many times for me to think that's just a wives tale or that's just and so with that in the back of our mind why would we reach for that just one time thinking that somehow we are going to be the exception to all of life's rules but it just won't happen most of us here today are familiar with the with the story of David and Bathsheba we read a lot of times 2 Samuel 11 verses 1 and 2 but again tonight let me just not read 1 and 2 but let's draw our attention to verse 3 the Bible says in verse one, it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Reba until, but David tarried still at Jerusalem and it came to pass in the evening time that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Verse three. 
the landing strip of it all. And David sent and inquired after the woman. Curiosity. Who is that? What is her name? Let me get just a little more familiar with this. It was dangerous enough from the rooftop. But the rooftop experience not only led to adultery, but the onset of lies and then to murder and on and on and on. Who would have ever dreamed David's world was spiraling out of control? He never dreamed one time that this would lead to that. Oh, God. I feel just an urging in my spirit tonight to tell us that we can be so careful. We have to be so careful. I'm, I'm all for understanding our culture. I think that we can't try to reach the world in 2017 with the same methods of 1940 or 1950. I understand that, and I believe that we should understand our culture. We need to know what people are interested in today and how they think and what moves them. And, and, and so, as a matter of fact, I think that would be necessary in, in any ministry to relate the gospel to the culture in which we live. You have to understand where someone is coming from if we're going to successfully reach them. For instance, you know, obviously I've mentioned this many times that we don't just as an organization send missionaries to a country. We don't just, someone got a little warm fuzzy spot for going to somewhere overseas and, and we just said, well, go right on and we'll, we'll, just, we'll just pay the bill and you just have a great time. But a lot of time is spent training not just to speak the language, but to also understand the culture. Because you can speak the language and not understand the culture, and you're still going to be hamstrung. And so we would never send someone to a foreign country without understanding the language and without somewhat understanding the culture. Amen. Because it's, it's very, very important if we're going to reach those people where they live. And so... We have to have an, an, an understanding of that to be effective. So cultural understanding is one thing. But can I tell you that curiosity with, with things is a completely different thing. We have to have an understanding of our times. As you know, some people are, are so busy, and maybe I'm not speaking to anybody here tonight, and, but sometimes I think sometimes people are so busy trying to be relative until we lose who we really are. I, I am, I, I'm a, I, somebody, you got a glazed over look, so let me just try to bring it another way. I don't think that we can just go sit down beside someone in a bar room and just get as drunk as they are to try to reach them. I, I know that's an extreme example, and so that makes a lot of people feel comfortable because you don't intend to go in the bar room and sit on the bar stool and get plastered, hopefully. But, but I can tell you that if we're not careful, we can let our good be evil spoken of because we're trying to be so relative and relate to where someone else is that we lose our own identity in the process. Amen. I, I, I'll say it one more different way and then move on. We're not in the business of just trying to lower the standard of this church to match the lifestyle of whoever walks in the door. Amen. What we're trying to do is hold a standard here in the church that whoever, no matter who they are, when they walk in the door, no matter how they are, amen, we want to minister to them and reach to them, but we're trying to leave them to where we are. We're not trying to go where they are. 
Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. So we've got to be very careful that we don't participate. Amen. In things that are wrong or things that are gray, areas that are gray in an effort to try to relate to someone else. Amen. I need to let the Spirit of God, we have to let the Spirit of God do some of this work. Amen. We, we, if we do, then we're just going to, we're going to participate and put our hand of sanction things and so as a matter of fact we shouldn't participate in those things but I believe the scriptures called us to to uh, shine a light on those things, amen, to expose them. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 11, and 12, I have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather, he said, reprove them. For it is a shame to even speak of the things which are done of them in secret. It's a shameful thing, the Bible says, to even mention some of the things that some people are doing in this world. And they're not just doing it in the shadows today, you understand that, Amen, it's parading down Main Street. Amen, sin, there is no shame. It just seems like shame has just gone out the window. And so that means that there are some things that are sinful and those practices are so shameful that we shouldn't even talk about them, let alone be curious about them. We need to be curious about what pleases God. Lord, let me be pleasing to you today. I know that sounds super spiritual, but I'm saying tonight in the world that we live in, we need to lay ourselves across an altar every day and say, God, this morning, I need you to guide my steps, order my steps in your word. Let me walk in a way that is pleasing unto you. Let me lift holy hands in praise and let me praise you with lips, Lord, that are not tainted by sin and debauchery. Amen. We need to develop an attitude for things and garner the things that garner God's attention. If we move to Second uh, Corinthians 12, the Bible says, He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of God may rest upon me. And so at the cross, Jesus took the penalty that was rightfully ours. And so when we surrendered ourselves completely to him, they're removed, we're clean, forgiven. Can I ask a question tonight? Have we forgotten? I hope we have not forgotten what it was like to be forgiven. The pressing weight of sin. Amen, the shame of sin. But then to be removed. And so surrender doesn't just doesn't just end with letting the Lord take our sins, but it means that we need to surrender ourselves. So Romans 6 and 13 says, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So we completely give ourselves. Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Your, which is your reasonable service. In our, in our culture, the call to surrender our bodies seems rather extreme. That seems kind of uh, antiquated somewhat. But nevertheless, I believe that we have to come to terms with what the Scripture says, surrendering our bodies unto God. Paul makes it clear that the presentation of our physical bodies is, a, is actually in our spiritual act of worship. In order to worship the Lord, to please God, it can't just be something inward. <laughs> I believe something ought to show on the outside. Amen, our worship ought to show on the outside. Our praise ought to show on the outside. I can't just worship him inside. Amen, it's gonna spill over. Amen, that, that means that, that there are gonna be undeniable acts of service that are performed by our bodies. James said, faith without works is dead. 
And so surrender is necessary because we've got to surrender ourselves, our hands, our feet, our voices, our bodies. You know what we were doing Sunday afternoon, amen, when we, or even Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning, when you were fixing a meal for a lady in this church that had lost her husband, you were surrendering your body to the work of God. You know what you were doing Sunday afternoon when you were dipping plates and smiling and saying, God bless you, and do you need any more tea? Is there anything else I can do? You were surrendering your body. Amen. What you were doing when you were mopping the floor, cleaning the dining hall in the kitchen, was surrendering our body. Because we can't just say to people, be full, be well, be healed. Amen. It's surrendering our body. Surrender is necessary, and so God uses that for instruments of change. I'm going to ask you to stand and ask our musicians to come if they will. I'm quite sure that most everyone sees the need of having missionaries around the world to spread the gospel. I feel confident that we are at least somewhat on the same page with that. Additionally, I'm sure that we see the need of planting and helping to plant churches across our nation for the same reason, to propagate the gospel to the world. However, even though we would agree that we need missionaries to go to unchurched countries or underchurched countries, and we need home missionaries, North American missionaries, to go into unchurched or underchurched cities or communities and areas, even with that knowledge, sometimes we're in a little bit reluctant to engage ourselves in such activities. We know someone needs to go. And we sure hope the Lord lays it on somebody's heart. Let let me be more plain. We sure hope the Lord lays it on someone else's heart. Thank you for your candid honesty. We just don't want it to be us. We know that they all can't go and some have got to give. And so we pray, Lord, lay that on somebody else's heart. But that's not surrendering all. Not surrendering all. And so we have to go or we have to give. I read something several years ago. I've used it many times through the years, but it's fitting for the spirit of what we're talking about here this evening. Noted Arthur John Stott said, When we surrender our bodies, this was his take. He said, when we surrender our bodies, our feet will walk his paths. Our lips will speak his truth. Our tongues will bring healing. Our hands will lift up the fallen. Our arms will embrace the lonely. Our ears will listen to the cries of the distressed. And our eyes will look humbly toward the Lord. You see, surrender of self involves the surrender of everything, not just a little bit of me, but everything. It involves the surrender of mind because that's where we're transformed. We have to change our mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your mind. How many times have we taken our circumstance, our situation to God in prayer And the Lord didn't just necessarily change the situation, but he just changed how we felt about it. He changed our mind. He gave us a little more tolerance, a little more latitude, stretched us a little bit 
perhaps we went home or woke up with the same situation, but God just renewed, transformed. He, he stretched us a little bit. Amen. The mind, that's the most subtle form of surrender because no one else sees what's going on in our mind. While it's true that we can think however we want, it's also true that eventually the content of our mind will expose itself in the fruit of our lives. What we think about long enough, positive or negative, is soon will bear fruit on the outside. And so God wants to transform us. Minds that will know his will. Minds that will know how God wants to use us individually for the most spiritual impact. Amen. Surrender, not just a little bit of me, but everything. I started out by reading where the early church was scattered. They were scattered, and it seemed like perhaps to some, well, we've taken care of this. No doubt there were some meeting rooms where men with grins on their face said, well, we stamped out that fire. Little did they know that to those they scattered, it was just embers of coals. It was just small fires that began large fires. Tonight, let me tell you this evening that when we surrender ourselves, whether in times of blessing or times of distress, God can still use our lives, our lives to impact the world around us. Amen. Can we conclude this service and let's just worship the Lord with this song? Let's not just let it be a song, but can we can we let it be a prayer as well? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.